With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, a hot topic in the last couple of years in law enforcement has been uh, de-escalation, the notion of pulling back, um, whether or not that's from potentially um, a shooting or going hands-on or any real use of force, I guess, shy of just officer uh, command presence. It's, it's been the hot topic at IACP. It's been the hot topic at PERF. It's been the hot topic. Um, the FOP even is talking about it. And so for, for me, I, I constantly think of verbal judo as like the most basic form of deescalation. It's like what's been taught for decades. Sure. Dr. Thompson came up with some really excellent techniques to use uh, words to talk someone into handcuffs as opposed to pull them into handcuffs or force them into handcuffs. Um, but it's de-escalation is more than that. This is politically driven. It's, uh, you know, it's a hot topic with people like the ACLU and um, other civil rights groups. Um, but De-escalation isn't the be-all and end-all. I mean, there you can't talk everybody into handcuffs. There's going to be people who resist. And a resistive subject is going to have to have some degree of use of force, whether it's just hands-on or some other force. So there are questions arise, for me anyway, you know, does de-escalation put cops in danger, number one? Because you're asking guys to retreat. You're asking guys to disengage from mm-hmm. a potentially violent subject. That gives them <clears throat> what I would call the tactical advantage. Sure. Um, does how, how does how is it taught? You know, you can't. You're not inherently born with this ability to kind of, you know, work people with words. I mean, cops are great with working people with words, but someone tries to resist you physically. Yeah. You know, what do you do? You're going to run around the squad car and hide, right? You know, like what is no. what does it what does it mean? What does de-escalation really mean? Here. Well, I, I think in terms of, of the definition, it is it is backing off. It is delaying tactics you would otherwise use. It is um, trying to talk the individual into delaying whatever their actions were. And, and what that delay does is it gives you the advantage of getting more cops there, of getting a supervisor there who might um, come up with a strategy while you're uh, containing the individual. But there are a lot of assumptions, and I th- we talked about this earlier, that a lot of the um, elected officials, uh, even um, you know, leaders of organizations, uh, get into these positions of, of dictating policy without the, the background. Um, so you're a, an attorney, or you're a butcher, or you're a seamstress, and you get to an elected official position, and you say, I will not have my police officers uh, fire on the mentally ill. I will not have them uh, use firearms to quell somebody um, without uh, weapons. Uh, there are problems with all those things. And each in each 
situation is different. The Supreme Court's already ruled on the objective reasonableness of the individual officer on scene. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also had Supreme Court decisions and we have penal code uh, language that says that officers uh, have no um, uh, obligation to retreat. So there's that mixed message there. Our police training has been to go and run in the direction of the gunfire or the catastrophe when everybody else is running away from it. And that is to engage in the responsible person. So now police officers are, are there. And so you have the electeds or the policymakers saying, we want you to slow it down. Don't draw your weapon. No use of force. Back off. Gain cover. Uh, you said it, you lose a tactical advantage when you lose sight of an individual. So if that means running and hiding behind something, now the next time you see this guy, it's a surprise. You don't know how close they are to you. You don't know where they are. You don't know what, what kind of weapon they have. So you, you lose a tactical advantage. There are assumptions made that the individual is rational enough now. So they might've just been stabbing people or running around uh, assaulting people. And now all of a sudden that you get there and now you've got de-escalation techniques uh, in your belt, this person's going to be rational and listen to you and go with the program. Uh, that bubble around that individual is dictated by the individual. If he decides to charge at you, you've got to use whatever force you deem necessary to stop him. And the idea of turning and running away from this guy until he gets tired or something happens, that's a bad idea. I get the notion of time and distance. And yes. <clears throat> time and distance, when it makes sense, makes sense. But then there are times when it doesn't. And mm -hmm. we have to, again, I always go back to there's got to be a balance. There has to be a middle ground. There has to be <clears throat> a compromise here. And I think of, when I think of de-escalation in the most extreme forms of it, uh, I think of when on the battlefield you lose the initiative. When you lose the initiative, you lose the forward motion in, the, in, a, in, a, in an engagement, mm -hmm. you begin to become vulnerable to even further attack, flanking attacks, ambush attacks, um, any, kind, any form of retreat, while sometimes tactically in a, a, a tactical rearward move, movement, right? Right. Um, it, it can it can lead to catastrophe for, you know, the blue force, if you will. Sure. And so, you know, that's that's an extreme example. But, you know, I do. I've, we've seen videos of cops literally running body camera footage of a cop running backwards from an attacker, from an armed attacker right. and falling on his behind, you know, putting himself in great grave peril. And, you know, and then politicians and the media were like saying this is Great! It's exactly it's what we heroic. want. Heroic! It's exactly right. what we. No, I'm sorry, but no, he needs to find another line of work. You know, if you're being uh, assaulted, you need to respond with the appropriate level of a force, right? Yeah, I mean, we go back to like you said. There's a there's a place and a time for everything. Chaos is not the time or the place to be running backwards. Uh, the public sees you as that individual who's there to, to stop the threat. So, in, you know, cops running backwards away from somebody armed with something, uh, not a good look. Um, I know it's popular to talk about de-escalation. I know it's popular to say that we need to shift from the warrior mentality to the guardian mentality. And I know that's what the public wants, but no cop signed up 
to put themselves at risk for um, to to de-escalate um, with an armed uh, offender who's already exhibited some form of violence, and and to to put themselves at risk is is not the answer. Um, the, the cases that I'm thinking of where uh, an individual just runs around with a knife chasing mm. people, the police get there, they begin to talk to him, he gets up, charges them with a knife, and they shoot him. And that's been criticized as why, you know, it happened within 60 seconds, why did the police act uh, so quickly? Because the suspect got up and ran at them. And again, they'd be, lo- they'd be loving it if that cop did a couple laps around his radio car, you know, being chased by this individual. Um, there's another case that's popular out here where uh, police respond to somebody who just stabbed somebody. He's still holding the knife. Adequate um, uh, number of officers get there. Uh, they hold him at bay. They try to engage him, try to tell him to drop the knife. One officer sidesteps into the path of the guy to prevent escape. The guy continues towards the officer with his knife. The camera shifts away, and the and the individual is shot. Now, I realize the public doesn't like the fact that people get shot a number of times, um, and and I think, uh, you know, we talk about lawful but awful, and the, yeah, get a supervisor there, get a supervisor to to designate shooters closest to the individual, just like we do with a less lethal shotgun. You're less lethal, but you are the backup with the real gun. Mm-hmm. And if something goes wrong and this this beanbag doesn't have any effect, this guy charges. You are the you are the guy. You're mm-hmm. the designated shooter, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's talk about some some tactics like that, um, where where if if the public is alarmed at the number of shots fired, okay, I get that, but. Um, Remember, police are, are taught to shoot to stop, not just shoot to kill. Yeah, stop the threat. Stop the threat. So uh, we can examine these things individually, break them down. But again, it's the mind of the officer who shows up, his experience and training, and, and how he's going to deal with the incident. Yeah. It goes back to Graham v. Connor, and you just alluded to it. You know, you have to have the, the latitude or the... Um, ability to engage with a subject at various levels of use of force from officers command presence verbal judo to uh, taser OC baton and up to and including you know a firearm a sidearm or a rifle it, the officers are well enough trained in again communication skills assessment skills evaluating what they've got and the then they base their judgment and their decisions on what they know at the time. Right, right. And we can't have people Monday morning quarterbacking and second guessing and saying, oh, he should have de-escalated. Well, it wasn't really an option at the yeah. time probably for that officer. Right. And having people doing this second guessing garbage in the media, it just makes, first off, me and uh, cops everywhere frustrated. Yeah. It's, just, it's a terribly frustrating thing. No, and I, I love the videos from, from news sources where they show... Uh, reporters or politicians going through shoot or don't shoot scenarios and how befuddled they get or when they go hands on and they try to place somebody in handcuffs and they realize it's not as easy as it looks or it's or not on it, television. It's not like it is in the movies or television. Right. So, you know, I, I wish that before they could comment to the media that the 
politician or newscaster would go through shoot don't shoot scenarios ex experience that first and then maybe compare it before they talk yeah I have gone to a number of academies. I know I've seen a couple of reporters at a couple of these events, and I think it's really important, particularly for the media, um, politicians too, because they have some sway. But the media—they're the—they're the, the literally the broadcasters of mm -hmm. this misinformation. Sure. And so, th having them have a better understanding uh, to me would be really, really great. Uh, have you had? press or politicians, or even the public, participate in any of that training. We want to hear from you. Email us at policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. Thanks again for listening.